Over the past few months, I've seen a lot more energy, momentum, excitement happening in the entrepreneurial ecosystem in South Africa and Africa more broadly, where there's a lot of investment, lots of startups, there's lots of support. But one thing I've clicked for me is I haven't met many people that have got a truly ecosystem view and I haven't actually spoken to anyone about how to even define what an ecosystem is and what this looks like across Africa and why it's unique. So I wanted to get someone on the podcast that can talk about that, but then also from an investor perspective. And that's why I'm talking to Caleb Maru. He is one of the founding partners of Proximity Ventures. He is an EdTech startup founder himself that he's exited. And he's also the founder of Tech Safari, which is a tech newsletter across Africa for African tech businesses. So based on where he's positioned, he sees a lot about this ecosystem, just as an, not as an, only as an investor, but also in terms of writing for the newsletter and sharing that. So I'm looking forward to this conversation. That gap's not a bad thing. I don't think it's a bad thing. Um, like, obviously, yeah, sure. Like, you want more companies to go from seed to series A. But if you put, if you had like 60% of your seed companies today going into series A, that wouldn't be a good thing for the market. I think that would like, there's a lot of startups that like, there's this idea of like owning your right to exist, right? Um, when you start a company, like what's the unique space you hold? What's your value proposition? There's a lot of companies that go for the same opportunities or aren't building um, things that are really valid in the market. It's why I pass on a lot of startups. Um, and I think not all of them, like a lot of them will hit a ceiling. Welcome to The Founder Files, the podcast that's like eavesdropping on a conversation with a successful entrepreneur over a fireside chat. Join me, Cameron Coots, through this unique experience of unfiltered stories and insights from scaling founders around the globe as they share their ups, downs, and everything in between. Hey Caleb, welcome to The Founder Files. I've been really looking forward to this conversation since I found out about you, since I found out about Tech Safari, since Metavolve you know, was shown in Tech Safari. Again, thank you for that opportunity. But one, one thing I've been really wondering since looking at your newsletter, reading what you put out there, is that there's this bias that a lot of South Africans have towards thinking only about South African businesses. And we really need to broaden our horizons to the rest of Africa. And I know that you, because of Tech Safari and because of the fact that you invest in businesses across Africa and you've been like through the US, you've been through Europe, you're now in, now in Kenya, you've got a very unique uh, perspective towards what this entrepreneurial ecosystem is in Africa not just in terms of the ecosystem as a whole, but also from an investor's perspective. So I really want to get your insights in terms of the relevance to scale-up founders and where they can go. But I think before getting into that topic itself, do you mind just telling me a bit about how you got to where you are now, where you are the right person for me to be talking to about this topic? Cool. Yeah, well, thanks for having me, Cameron. It's awesome to be on here. I'm excited about it. Um, we've been trying to tee this up for a while, so I'm glad we're, we're finally here and, and chatting um for sure i'll give you a bit of a background on me and then i'm i'm really excited about this topic as well because i think about it quite a bit so i'm caleb i write a newsletter called tech safari and really it's just telling stories on what's happening on african tech but in a way that's really understandable um hopefully you learn something and there's like an, an insight um in that in my storytelling and um in a way that's designed to really like uh capture like the attention um and the cap capture the attention and like really the potential of what's happening in Africa to a global audience. Um, so yeah, that's Tech Safari. I write it twice a week. 
um, and have just been writing that for about six months. Before that, I was um, I had a startup called Entry Level, which is an ed tech that teaches people how to get into tech jobs rapidly, so in six weeks. Um, took that from like two of us to a team of 20, raised 2 million. So I've had quite a bit of experience in the, in the zero to one phase, which is really like where I play. I love the, like, you're kind of like throwing darts at a board or like at the wall, trying to see what sticks. Um, and you know, once you find that thing, like turning that into something that gets your first like hundred sales, right. Or like hundred dollars in sales or hundred customers. Um, and then going from there, it's like building a system around that is like really where I like my specialty and what I really enjoy. Um, so I have that sort of background. And um, along the way, while I was running to entry level, <laughs> my ed tech, um, I was lucky to raise a small fund. So I raised a fund to invest in early stage startups and that's called Proximity Ventures. And from that, like I'm investing in early stage companies. So generally at the, um, at the pre-seed stage, we might be the very first round in a company or the second round um, quite early. Um, and we really look at like founders and markets. We look at those two things. Those two things are really key for us. And so that's, um, those are the things I look at deeply. And we have a few companies that are at the seed stage, about to get to the series A stage. So we're doing a lot of thinking about like, you know, what does it take to take a company from seed to A? Um, how do we support them? And, and what does that whole journey look like? So that's me. Um, and then I guess just to bring it back to Tech Safari, um, I left my startup entry level to focus on the writing. I realized that um, I wanted to take the investing more seriously. And I, I knew that there was an opportunity in the writing to build that into something significant. Um, just because I think in Africa, we don't have, we have media platforms, but they don't really do the continent justice in terms of talking about all the stuff that's happening. And so, um, and I don't think they engage that global audience as nicely as, um, as they can. And I feel like uh, Tech Safari fills in that gap. So um, that's the main focus right now. So that plus the investing. Yeah. And I definitely, uh, hear you on the points of tech safari, filling that gap and, uh, trying to expand those, those borders. I think what you're doing is really definitely one of those catalysts of moving this, the African ecosystem of entrepreneurship quite a bit more forward. Um, and you know, I, I love that your, your focus interest in early stage businesses, because again, if we're talking about the the ecosystem in Africa, that's what's needed, right? We need the support, we need the, this knowledge, we need the skills to help entrepreneurs really develop, validate their idea, understand their value and be able to then learn, grow and then scale that afterwards. Um, but then also your niche is like, it's like, cool, once you've nailed that, then it gets into scale phase, growth phase, and then looking at series A. So I'm definitely, I'm, I'm curious to know about your experiences in, um, in some of the businesses you worked with and seen that are moving from seed to series A and then very much in those early scale phase. I think we'll get there. I think the point is, is like just mentioned like African entrepreneurial ecosystem over and over again. And so many people talk about this, but I've never had anyone define what this means. Yeah. Right. So yeah. can you just like unpack for me, what is, what is an entrepreneurial ecosystem? And then what does Africa's one look like? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, it's a big question too. Like it's it's a hard question to answer. It's almost one that um, you would need a whiteboard, right, to answer that question, and you need to have something to point to. Um, but there's a there's a framework that we use in consulting, in my past life, right, which is like a systems map. Um, and so that's where you map out all the actors in a system, and you see how they're linked and the power dynamics between them. And so. Um, if you were to map out a system of Africa's tech ecosystem, you'd have a few obvious ones. You'd have the VCs, you'd have the startups, you'd have the accelerators, you'd have, um, let's say, well, you'd have like the, 
the media would be in there somewhere. You'd have um, the LPs, so the people who invest in those funds. But then like there's a lot of other players who maybe aren't as obvious that play a pretty big role in that. So you'd have like the cities themselves, right? Like Nairobi is a bustling tech city, which is why I'm, I just moved here. Um, and so that's like, that's a really nice place for an ecosystem to develop. Um, you'd have the government, right? Like all the rules and regulations that a government like has to enable those startups or, or that holds them back sometimes. Um, you'd also have like, ink, like uh, other global institutions like the African Union or the UN, right? That host these programs. And so it's almost like uh, it's, it's an ecosystem. Like, and when we say ecosystem, there's so many things within that ecosystem that make up the whole thing. I think when people say startup ecosystem, they just mean the state of startups in VC in Africa which is a lot more broad than just like an ecosystem in general. Um, and so it, it is a bit of a hard question, but I think that when we talk about an ecosystem, it's really like all the different players and how they exist. And you can sort of judge how like, um, how prosperous or how thriving an ecosystem is by looking at the state of startups in there. Like are startups growing? Are there many more startups um, that, are, that are being started? Um, are we seeing successes or not? And I would say that where Africa's ecosystem is, it's hard to generalize, but like where it is, is that we're early. Um, we are seeing winners, which is good. Like, like we're seeing tangible winners. We've had this like crazy period where money somehow just like there was so much money to spend and it all hit emerging markets and it made it seem like Africa was everything. Um, but people are, you know, that's resetting. Like we're seeing a lot of things come out now. We'll see a lot more. A lot of our darlings, like, you know, a lot of these big companies aren't going to make it um, through this period, which will be interesting. Um, but I think it's like, it, it's an interesting time because I think now we'll see the real companies, like the real companies that will really push the ecosystem forward. We're going to see a lot more acquisitions, um, a lot more consolidation. And I think it's a really good time to be a founder and it's going to inspire a lot more founders in the ecosystem. And ultimately, like when we think about where we want the ecosystem to be, we want it to be thriving. We want all these players to be enabling each other and building this sort of flywheel of like more and more founders. And personally, I think that's really important because like my thesis is that the continent moves forward with more tech and more like founders who are building companies that are, um, that are changing the continent. I have a lot more trust in those founders than I do in say government or like um, international institutions. So that sounds like an African mentality if I've ever heard one. And, and I fully agree with you. And I really like what you've mentioned there is bringing that kind of tangibility to the flourishing of an ecosystem in terms of how many startups are being created in the space, how many are growing, how many are becoming successful. And you can look at that at different tiers. You can look at it even like in a micro level. It makes me think of Innovation City in Cape Town, right? Where they're creating their own little ecosystem and little bubble in terms of one building and how that's going to grow over there. But then you can talk about the like the Cape Town um, entrepreneurial ecosystem. I just use Cape Town as an example because it's the one that's most relevant to me, even though I live in Joburg. Because out of Joburg and Cape Town, that's the one that's definitely flourishing more than it is in, in, in Joburg, but you're saying like Nairobi is one that's flourishing as well. And it's, it's I'd say this now, then you look at, at the continental ecosystem and what's happening there. I think that's, there, there's exciting plays, but it's more around, it's, it's pocketed in cities. And therefore like the aggregates is like, okay, cool, it's moving in the right direction, but there's definitely this, that bigger play ecosystem. And then you look global, you look UN, um, the examples that you, that, that you, that you gave. I really also like what you mentioned around the flywheel effect in terms of these startups and how they're successful, these acquisitions, but also when we're starting to see the um, 
like the the successes from the from the failures it's just a natural part of entrepreneurship but how that's going to feed in and you're talking about this period of consolidation of acquisition and this is where i'm interested and i know that a lot of people listening and watching will be interested too so what's the next step of that value chain right in terms of these businesses and now that they startups they're starting to see success and there's a lot of attention in these african ecosystems around those early stage startups in terms of pre-seed seed leading up to series a it's now like i feel like we're getting to this point where it's like okay there's quite a few there's a lot more businesses getting to the stage now it's like uh okay well now now we're figuring it out um so what so what is it what is what is how i think to actually simplify the the points and the question is how would you explain those different parts and segments of this of this value chain from the perspective of an investor and how businesses grow and scale and that's point number one and then i'll get to point number two after after the answer yeah cool no that's a it's a really good point on like um on sort of that value chain and, and thinking about it um and also on multiplier like on the flywheel effect i maybe i'll just touch on that as well like um, the idea behind a multiplier effect, uh, there's a really great organization called Endeavor. Um, they're a nonprofit and they do a lot of work into multiplier effects, which is how do you help develop ecosystems and what things have the biggest impact? Um, I actually do think it's acquisition, which is cool because I think we're going to see a lot more of that. Um, that was just a side point. But on, um, on the value chain and the value chain of a startup, I think as an investor, you kind of think about what you need to succeed as a pre-seed to raise a round, to raise a seed round and a pre-seed round, a seed round and a series A. And then that's for, that's generally the trajectory. That's where the work is for us as investors. Um, and then I think it's series B, unless you're like a pro, like, you know, I don't know, like uh, Sequoia investor where you can help along all parts of the chain. Most of the time I'm useless at that point, right? Like I'm not actually valuable as series B. Like you're, you're good, like, you know, you're sorted. So those are the stages where I might be valuable or where I might have a bit of like insight. Um, and at pre-seed, like, I think it's pretty early, right? Like you, you might have an MVP, you might have a, a customer or two, probably not many. Um, you might have a bit of traction, but it's really like, it's you, your idea. And no one's really expecting you to have the thing that is expecting you to be the right person playing in the right market. At, at least this is my philosophy on like pre-seed. Um, so when I look at founders at that stage, I, ind I index really heavily on the market because market, like if there's no market, there's no, there's nothing like, it doesn't matter how good you are. Like if you don't, if you're not playing in the right market, it's over. Um, so that's the first thing I look for. And then I look for founders. So formidable founders, people who are like either like deeply experienced or have shown that they're super scrappy and that they're, they're like their work or their like resourcefulness is like, um, something that is pretty apparent and will compound over time, right? Um, so those are the two things I look for at pre-seed. At seed, it's like, um, I generally don't invest at seed now because I think it's too, like I'm a bit price sensitive when it comes to investing and I can only really offer value at pre-seed to seed. Um, but at seed, it's a bit more like, okay, cool. Like we've found out a few things. Like, I think we know a bit about this. Now it's really time to win the market. Like we know the thing that works. We have a few customers, we have a bit of revenue. Now it's time to like be like really get like more customers on board and like win this market um, and be a player in this market. So that's a bit more growth. Did you want to? So would that be around the the seed is uh, getting your seed round is now is like okay cool we've we've we we know that there's value here. We're now pursuing finding product market fit. So yeah, series at series A, the point that you're at a series A, it's really about like how do you scale this? So you've proven that it works. You've proven you have product market fit. 
Now it's like, you know, how do we put money into this to take over this market and then ideally expand it to other ones as well? So your series A, like the benchmark is pretty different. And we have this thing that I would call the round of death at series A. Um, I'm just going to share my screen. So this is the round of death. Let me pull it up. So yeah, so this is 2021. It shows us like how many seed stage companies get funded in the US um, versus series A. And from seed to series A in the US, it's 37% less, which is about fair. Like startups don't, not all startups make it, right? In Africa, it's 84% less. That's huge. Um, so it's a massive gap. And it's not one, I don't think it's one that's like indicative of, um, I mean, there's a few things here. I would say the two dynamics are firstly, our ecosystem is still early. So we have less startups that are mature enough to make it to series A. So that plays a bit of a role. But I think the other is like, the only place to really find a 10, a five, $10 million series A round is not on the continent. It's outside of the continent. Um, it's generally a global investor. And that global investor will have a different set of benchmarks than maybe what's acceptable on the continent. And they'll have like a, um, they'll also have the other other thing on, which is the Africa risk lens on, which is yes. like, this is in Africa. Do we trust Africa? Do we know enough about Africa? Um, so those are all the things you're working against at, at Series A, which is why it's it's hard. Well, also, if you ask a South African, uh, or not just an African person, is like, yes, of course, there's risk here, but that's exactly why there's opportunity. I mean, there's there's you don't you don't have one one without the other. It's what makes it such a uh, an exciting market, as long as you've got the right mindset. Yeah, I think so too. But I do think also like a few VCs have been burnt. Like a few big VCs were like, okay, let's do Africa. Like Insight Partners came and did Africa. They got burnt. I'm trying to remember, what was it? Dash. But again, I'd argue it's like we were we were talking about this um, just leading up to this. And the point is that's where geographical expansion is super complex, right? Just as a growth strategy. Because anyone is like, if you're going to a different market and playing that, doesn't matter what kind of business you are. If you're a VC, if you're a tech business, service business, you're going into another geography, you really need to understand those market dynamics and culture. You can't just see it's like, oh, there's growth happening there. Let me jump on the bandwagon. No, nope, not going to end well. Um, we've yeah. seen loads of examples of, of VCs that have um, wiped out because of that exact reason. Exactly. No, that, and that, that's a really good point too. I think like, yeah, it's unfortunate. And that's what I mean. That's like my point that like, there was a lot of money at the start of this year. People just wanted to throw it everywhere. And everyone's like, let's go to Africa. And like some of those VCs had bad experiences. So I don't know if they're coming back anytime soon. So it makes the series A thing even harder. I'm sure it does, but I think the point is, is like if this is not this is the nature nature of being at the bleeding edge of something, right? There's risk and there's failure, and that's that's an example of the fact that like again, call me call me the serial optimist, but like I see that as a good indication that's moving in the right direction because other people are going to look as like okay, let's learn from those mistakes. But instead of thinking about VCs here, I want to bring it back to we're thinking Series A, we're thinking um, obviously investment round here. And mm -hmm. for you, like looking at the businesses that you're invested in or the business that, that, that you've seen, right? So getting to series A is besides the proof of product market fit, what is it? And uh, like, because scale up strategy is there and it's so unique per, per business. But what have you seen from an investor's perspective where I want to see what your scale up strategy is going to be? And, and besides the proof of product market fit, what are the elements of a scale-up strategy I want to see that's going to give me confidence to put the cash in at a Series A level? Okay. I think this is a question for you, to be honest. <laughs> but um, 
because I feel like I haven't like I haven't hit that stage yet in some ways like I haven't um I've never done a series a um we have a few companies that are about to start their series a raises um but yeah we're not at that stage yet I think what I know about it is that generally it's that's really where that's where a lot of the restructuring happens in the company. So, you know, your CTO um, may have just been your friend, right? Who could code. And now it's like, okay, we need a real CTO. Like, um, and maybe they were great, but they might not be able to actually manage a team, right? So you might pull in someone who's more senior to replace them or play another role, or um, you might rewrite like the, the product that you built. You might recreate it. Um, there's a lot of like restructure in that stage. Um, I think it's really about having the right partner on board who helps you with that stage of things um, and helps you set up for your series A. But I don't know. I think like at that point, a few of the things that series A investors would really want is like a clean cap table. So one that makes sense where it's like, okay, cool. I know that these investors are on board um, like, and, and that there's enough equity. Um, they would want to make sure that you have like the right agreements in place uh, with your co-founders, with other people who are in the company or outside of the company. By series A, like you've probably been in the game for about two or three years, maybe longer. So in that time, like not everyone's stuck around, like not everyone is working at the same company or the same startup for two to three years. So you want to have those arrangements sorted out. Um, and then, yeah, I think you would want a pretty good plan of like, what does your go to market look like in your market and others? What does, who will the key hires be? Because usually at series A, you're hiring, you're hiring like actual talent, like not actual talent, but you're hiring like exec talent right who are not like as unproven they're people who have done it before um and they're more expensive as well um i think those are the things i would think of but then in terms of like operations and all that stuff like the technical technical i don't really know and, and it obviously varies from startup to startup so yeah i would love to share my opinions on that but this is not Please. about me this yeah is, this is, this is oh, about okay me. we can have a say we can have <laughs> okay. a separate call about that but to, to bring it back i, I think there's um the the point that you mentioned about that massive um what, what did you call that statistic of dropping from seed to series a um the round of death the yeah. round of death right why is why is like why is that such a challenge um and, and i want to understand it from an investor's perspective because i know that in, in the african space and the and the like entrepreneurial ecosystem is that there's there's one view is like people talk about VC in Africa. It's not VC, it's private equity, right? That that's 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 the more the the investment philosophy that's that's happened here. I think having uh, VC is how we know it in more mature markets, especially coming from Europe and US. That's very mm -hmm. rare uh, on this continent. So looking at that, and that's what I find so interesting is about the fact that it's just that perspective towards investments in early stages versus at at Series A. What's happening in that massive gap? What, and what are you noticing that's going to start shifting that? And what reasons do you have to be optimistic about seeing more Series A investments in Africa? This podcast is brought to you by Metavolve. For founders who are committed to scaling their business, but are tired of wearing 12 different hats. For founders who want to focus on their next stage of growth, but are worried about their customer and employee satisfaction. Metavolve helps you build the structures, systems, and management team that you need to elevate yourself out of operations. It's time to free yourself up to focus on growth. Do it now with the entrepreneurial partners that put your customers and your people at the core of your scaling strategy. Metavolve, empowering leaders, evolving businesses. 
that gap's not a bad thing. I don't think it's a bad thing. Um, like obviously, yeah, sure. Like you want more companies to go from seed to series A, but if you put, if you had like 60% of your seed companies today going into series A, that wouldn't be a good thing for the market. I think that would like, there's a lot of startups that like, there's this idea of like earning your right to exist, right? Um, when you start a company, like what's the unique space you hold? What's your value proposition? There's a lot of companies that go for the same opportunities or aren't building um, things that are really valid in the market. It's why I pass on a lot of startups. Um, and I think not all of them, like a lot of them will hit a ceiling. Uh, and one of the ways that I think about that is the markets that you play in. So uh, a lot of like, I was in Lagos last year and I was, I just couldn't believe the number of food delivery startups that I was getting hit with. I saw maybe like, um, probably like 40, like no joke. I had 40 people like DM me their food delivery startups or like pitch them to me. Um, and I was there for like a month. Like, I was just like, are you kidding? Like, this is the Airbnb of like of food. I'm like, you're, you're just saying Uber Eats. Like, <laughs> like, are you kidding? And like, a lot of these startups are just founders who are in some ways like um, they just want to build something for the sake of it or they, they, they're technical and they feel like it's their turn. Right. And they want to do something um, or they're like, they just feel like it or, or they like the idea of being a founder. I think that's like a mentality that really grips the whole world in 2021 and 22, where there was so much money and people who had a bit of experience with turning into founders. Um, and some There's of them went on to the gravy train jobs. actually. Sorry. So it's more jumping on the gravy train. Yeah. It's like wanting to be a part of it. And I think in Africa, like, especially like in Lagos, right? Like you've got like people like Paysac, right? They sold a company for 200 million. They started in Lagos, like in Nigeria. That's super inspiring. It's like, that's new money, right? That's like internet money that anyone can tap into. So of course people want to start businesses and want to follow a train of like, oh yeah, this works in like the US. Okay. Let's do Uber Eats, but here, um, and just try scaling that and like do it better, like without really thinking into what's your right to, like, what's your reason to exist? I don't think that there should be another like Globo or another Uber Eats on the continent. There's really no reason. Um, and they don't even work. Like, I mean, like Uber is still not profitable. So like, so that's what I mean. Like, that's why I think that that round of death right now is not a bad thing because the market's still pretty immature we'll need a few losses to see like for people to come back to reality and build real things. Sorry. The other point is it's like, it's hard. It's really hard to build in Africa. It's hard to build a company in general. It's like even harder here where like really like the percentage of the population I engage with on the day to day in Nairobi is like the top 3% of the whole country. Like I'm seeing like the richest people in the whole country, like every day here. Um, you drive like an hour out and it's a completely different story and that's real Africa. And so people like don't realize that. And I think that's why like someone in Lagos can say I'm building Airbnb for food because they think that like everyone in like Nigeria operates the same way and has the same amount of money as Lagos, but that's not actually true. People get offended when I say this. When I say Africa's poor, we, we are, we're a very poor continent. Um, and it's true. And like people who build products for, um, for B2C are always going to struggle. Very hard to monetize those people. I can build a big business that way um b2b works but like you need to be real about the sorts of companies that you, that you can actually build for b2b because they operate very differently depending on where you are and so i think that there are actually like there are a lot of opportunities in africa but making them profitable and scalable is really difficult and layering it in tech is really difficult so um 
yeah, so I'm not surprised there's a big gap, to be honest. So, and I think that's the the other point here is like we talk, we started this by saying ecosystem. Let's kind of zoom out and talk about this topic here. Is about is if you just look at the the markets in Africa and how much inequality that there is. Is that if you are playing in the kind of luxury uh, space uh, and you can do something of competitive enough value, cool. Uh, if you if you're wanting to do something that's actually benefiting most consumers, you're going to need extreme economies of scale in order to be profitable. And then the mm-hmm. other side of it is like, and what what sparked for me is that to your point around these founders are just like uh, like I want to I want I like the idea of being a founder, right? Or I'm I'm technical. I want to stop working for someone else and work for myself. And what's mm-hmm. what's glaringly obvious to me there is like guys. Africa has got a huge number of very complex systemic problems that are hindering growth for everyone. Stop thinking mm. about yourself and how glory and shy, glorious and shiny it is to be a founder and start thinking about real problems that this continent has because there's a lot of them. You can start thinking mm. about how to tackle that inherently if you find a solution for those problems and building out a strategy to do so, you will attract investments accordingly because the point is, is like there, there's, there's, you create demand in the process. Um, yeah. Yeah, that is that that's my drop. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I totally like I agree. I think like it's really it's being really realistic about like the market um, and dropping yourself out of it. And like it's not just an Africa, like it's an everywhere problem where like people like, oh, I can do it or like I want to do it. So I'm going to do it. Um, But really, like startups, the best startups like create markets like Airbnb like real Airbnb, Uber Eats, they've created markets, they've created models that didn't exist in the past. And PESA, like created a new market, right? Like by mobile banking um, or like mobile money. Um, like market creation is really hard to do. And it's also like non-obvious and there's not that many people who can do it. So like, there's a reason that there's so few startups that succeed. It's because there's like, there's not that much like innovation like that is very difficult and it's not very obvious. Um, so just because you think it's your time or you feel like something, it's like it's not really a, you need to have an insight or something very specific to like what you do that shows us that you're the right person to build this. Okay, so we've been quite clear now in terms of why there's this gap between seed and Series A funding, and that 83% statistic is still blowing my mind, but it it makes sense and I understand why. But what I want to understand is even though those businesses have raised Series A, even though it's 17%. What are the challenges that are facing scale-ups on the continents that are different to other spaces and that most businesses will usually face and need to overcome? Yeah, that's a that's a really good question. Um, it's really it's a really interesting question, especially on the continent, for a few reasons. You kind of have to play this. Um, well, the the most obvious one is like to build a uh, like a, a really big business, right? Like you need to go outside of just one country. It's very hard to do that within one country. It should be possible to do it. But I think that there's a point where like, you're trying to get like, it's kind of 80, 20, like you're trying to get like the 80% of the market that you can and then move on to another market. And sometimes it takes, it takes a lot of time to do that. And you might miss an opportunity by doing that just in one market and you want to expand. So there's that. And that means that naturally you need to expand into other markets. And that takes time, right? Like there's a lot of things to think about when you set up in a new market. There's not just go to market. It's also like incorporation, setting up. If you're regulated, it's getting past that. Um, it's like understanding that market, tailoring a go to market strategy for it. 
Um, it actually just takes time. And it's, you especially see this in like an interesting point is like you see this in Francophone and um, Anglophone company, countries where like you might have Flutterwave that wants to go from like Nigeria to Cote d'Ivoire. Um, but when they set up their office there, there's all these new things they have to worry about, right? Like Anglophone law systems uh, follow common law. South Africa is Anglophone too, right? So like it would it would be common law. Um, in Francophone, it's like it's civil law. That's a completely different law system. It's generally more bureaucratic. Um, there's literally different laws that govern like how you build your business. Um, it takes way longer to set up. These are things that like it's different in every market. Um, and that just illustrates the point. So it's there's a lot of things you need to think about as you expand to a new market and it takes time. And there's a few th like few companies that are now helping make that a bit more seamless, like the incorporation and setup. But your go-to-market will always be a bit different. It will be slower. And it's never gonna, it's like never gonna be the same as like your OG, your home market, your home base. So there's that. Um, the other things that the other challenges, I guess, are like. I think incorporation go to market is big. Um, it takes money, like it costs money to set up a new team. We're helping one of our companies right now raise just a small round. And the whole purpose of that is like when they do the A, um, we want to make sure that they're ready to like just go straight into these markets. And so this small round is just to get a few people on the ground to set up the business um, over the next six months. Cause we're like, cause they need a bit more capital for that. So it's like, it's, it takes time. Like, and if you don't factor in the time it takes, it's like you rush into it and then you fail and you leave. Like there's a lot of companies now leaving Cote d'Ivoire for instance. Um, cause they just threw money at the problem and didn't work. And now they're like, all right, peace. We're out. So, um, yeah. So, you know, there's, there's, yeah, it's, it's challenging. I'm very interested about like we've spoken about the complexities of geographical expansion. Then we look at the scale up, uh, scale up points and, for you, the natural one that comes in is clear, not just in terms of what is an apparent strategy in Africa, but is the strategy that is most dominant around scaling uh, in terms of these startups is that geographical expansion, the complexities involved there. So I think that's just mm -hmm. the, the fascination of what I'm seeing there. And naturally, there's, there's the, the, the country, the, the, what you mentioned around the, the Anglophone versus Francophone um, is, is, is very interesting insights. Uh, and thank you for sharing that. Um, but there's all, there's all these points what I want to know is what are these entities? I, I'm not going to, I'm not even going to prompt the question. What are these entities that are helping make that easier that you're seeing? Okay. Like incorporation side. So I, 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 rather than just incorporation, um, more about the essentially scaling and the complexity of scaling in Africa. Right. Whether it's so yeah. going back to the ecosystem question is around. So like what other players in this ecosystem are you seeing that are making that are contributing to that scale up stage and trying to help make it more achievable? Yeah. Um is this where I plug Metavolt? <laughs> uh, no, so uh, look, uh, that, that's it'll be us in time. I mean, you can plug us there. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I think that's where no, that's I'm, where we want to be. I was, I was I mean, yeah. like, yeah, no, that's, I think like the structure side of things, like internally, it sounds like you guys do a lot of work there, which is, yeah. which is awesome. Um, maybe on the go to market side, like incorporating um, legal and compliance, there's a company called Raise that um, Raise, have you heard of Raise? Mm -mm. Cap table management platform. So kind of like Carta, but more focused on Africa and they help companies. Um, they do some really cool stuff. They actually do market research for you to help you understand where your business sits. They'll talk to lawyers to figure out like the things you need uh, to think about as you launch into a new market. 
and then they can help you with the incorporation of that. Um, I don't think they do incorporation, but they can point you in the right direction for incorporation, compliance, et cetera. And then there's a few companies like uh, Sidebrief and Norabase. Um, they help you actually set up companies in these areas, set up bank accounts, et cetera. Um, and that can be a hassle too. Like my company entry level, we spent like a year trying to set up a bank account in Nigeria. It took us a year, which is just insane. And so it meant that like, we could only take money in like US dollars, which limited our, our user base significantly. So like being able to do that quickly is is really like, um, yeah, really valuable. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for sharing. That's exactly what I was looking for. The um, the promoting Metavolve is uh, we'll do, we'll do that ourselves on the <laughs> yeah. on yeah. the side. Um, <laughs> but cool, Caleb. Thank you for the conversation. It's been really insightful to see so many of these dynamics across Africa and just understanding more about what an entrepreneurial ecosystem is. Understanding a bit more from an investor's perspective how this ecosystem is flowing and what's needed. Uh, I think just the last question that I have for you is, you know, what's the one question that I haven't asked you that I should have asked you that you'd like to answer now? Huh, that's a great, that's a really good wrap up question. Series A scaling. I think it makes sense. I think it's like, um, well, I mean, there's two that, that are generally interesting to me, which I think might be interesting to other people. One is a bit of a plug, like a self plug, uh, to be honest. And then the other is um, just an interesting question. So like, I'll start with the uh, with the self plug. I think it makes sense to start with that. So one is like what will like what's actually needed to to grow our ecosystem. Um, and I I thought for the longest time that it was VC, and I started Tech Safari thinking I'll do this and get a global audience to raise a VC fund. Like it's a means to an end. Um, and I think I my perspective has changed over the last uh, over the last two months really um, about what that is. And I think for me the most one of the most pivotal things for the ecosystem is really coverage i think the media and like telling our stories well to a global audience and like building buy-in and trust over time like it takes years to do that but if you have consistency through content that's a way to get over that trust um it's going to bring more people to our continent whether it's starting new companies whether it's diaspora who want to invest back home whether it's like global investors and i think that's that to me is like one of the gaps in that sort of remember that systems map in the ecosystem. I think that's one of the gaps we I can plug. Um, but I think it's really important to ask more more questions about like where are some of these companies failing? Uh, what are the things that they're missing? Similar to what you're doing, which is like how do we build up capacity within these startups um, to help them go like to help them scale? And how do we help them do that in a way that's not like exploitive, like uh, in a way that like you know generates value for everyone? And so. That's like, that's some of the thinking I've been doing a lot. And I think like trying to think about where we sit um, and like the role that we have as an ecosystem is really important. And some people have done that work. Like I really admire Launch Africa. Um, I just thought they were like this like crazy VC fund trying to invest in everything. Um, uh, like uh, you're familiar with them, right? Like Launch, um, Launch Africa. Okay. I, I told you I didn't know much about the space, man. Okay, cool. So Launch Africa, they're Africa's most act active uh, VC fund. They've made like, I think over 100 investments at this point, I think. Um, and they invest a, a fair amount and they invest in everything. People are just like, you know, you want that money, you go to Launch Africa. They have a set of criteria. If you meet them, they just invest. And I was like, that doesn't make, I don't get the portfolio strategy. How do you make money off that? Um, I think it's an interesting strategy. You, you probably could make money off it, but 
they see their role as an ecosystem builder. So for them, it's like half like, yes, let's make money. The other half is like, we have to develop the ecosystem. And that means giving this capital out. Um, and I think they have figured out how they benefit the ecosystem. A lot of people come into VC and startups with no, they're just like Africa equals opportunity. Let's just go like make money, um, which I don't know. I don't think that that's very value additive. Yeah, and the, the point is, is this is a this is a constant. Of course, there's a lot of uh, opportunity, but the point is, is there's there's especially opportunity for founders who are thinking, how is it that I can contribute to the continent? Then that's a then then that's a whole different ballgame. And there are, there's a lot of founders that I've seen with that mentality whose businesses have got some real um, indicators of sustainable growth. Caleb, mm. thank you very much for being on the Founder Files. I've loved the conversation. And yeah, I'm actually looking forward to engaging with you more off the platform to actually start brainstorming and discussing what we can do to contribute more to this ecosystem and see it flourish. Awesome. Yeah, super excited for it. Thank you so much for having me. That statistic stood out to me and I'm sure anyone watching stood out to you as well. I mean, it's such a massive drop off compared to US and look, we, we know that the ecosystem is a lot less mature there, but to that extent, where essentially what that's signaling is regardless of capital, that there are a lot of these businesses that see that, are, that have figured out their value and trying to go there, that there's this 83% drop off rate in terms of not really finding product market fit and being able to scale. Obviously, there's nuance in that statistic in terms of maybe not needing Series A, etc. But we're not going to get into that. But either way, it's an, an indication that there's, there's there's a big gap there and a lot more support needed to help a lot of these early stage founders get to the point where their business can grow sustainably. I think another insight in terms of this conversation is that a lot of what scaling looks like in Africa really is international expansion, and I think that's a really fascinating insight because a lot of South African businesses and business owners I've spoken to, the view is quite different because they're thinking very much locally, but it's clear that what's what's seen there in Nigeria brought up quite often. And the fact that looking at Nigeria and Kenya, there's an inherent perspective towards growing internationally. And what I'm curious about is like, is, is what is the thinking there? How can this shift in South Africa and how can that bridge? And then that immediately links to Tech Safari and the and the coverage that's happening is we need more coverage of these startups, we need more stories, we need more lessons in terms of what's going on so that we can learn from this, but we also need a lot more support uh, to this ecosystem because there's a lot of businesses that are coming to the point where it's acquisition season apparently, and we're going to see a lot of change happening uh, within this space. So not totally sure what that's going to look like just yet, but I know that what's going to happen now is the rest of 2023 and the foreseeable future for the entrepreneurial ecosystem in Africa is going to be a very interesting space. So thank you for watching and listening to The Founder Files. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode and you know, want to share with someone who is also asking questions about the entrepreneurial ecosystem in Africa, give this a share, give us a follow, give it a like, and then also feel free to please comment on YouTube and show what specifically was interesting for you in this conversation, what topics you want to know more about, and anyone that you think I should speak to that can give some insights into these topics. I'll see you soon. Thanks very much. Cheers.